Welcome to the Cloudonics CX Verse podcast. In this series, we are exploring everything related to customer experience. Hi everyone, this is Eric from Cloudonics bringing you this edition of Cloudonics presents the CX Verse Everything Customer Experience. And today I'm visited by Fraser. Uh, Fraser Barnett is uh, actually what is your formal title, Fraser? Well, I could either be sales manager, head of sales, customer experience manager, or just general doctor body. I- <laughs> Let's go with customer experience manager for now, uh, yeah. since you're going to be coaching us and, and telling us how to coach your agents to avoid customer experience horror stories. So, tell me a little bit about what you guys do first. Uh, we'll give Simwood a little plug. And then you can kind of tell me your worst horror story before we get into how to fix it. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so Simwood is 25 years old. We're a global wholesale carrier. Um, we're primarily based in the UK and now the US. But more recently, we've, we've actually got a hosted PBX platform, uh, which we're delivering to channel partners. So we've got a reseller model now for hosted PBX, which is our new toy, our new baby. And, and that's what we've been sort of playing with for the last last couple of years, more so than the wholesale stuff. Okay. So given that and the fact that you deal with customer experience so much, what is the worst horror story that you have personally experienced? And then what is the worst that you've heard about? Okay, good question. So I think the worst um, horror story that we, we see in the UK is where channel partners and and resellers get up to all sorts of shady crap, if I can say it that way. (laughs) Um, And what I mean by that is when the incumbent or when the regulator give us, say, blocks of numbers, these resellers think, oh, great, I've got a really sexy number. I can use that somewhere else. And what they don't realize is their obligation or what they don't realize is, is how these things work. And they will distribute a phone number that they're technically not allowed to distribute. And this new customer of theirs has got this shiny, sexy phone number. And then they think, you know what? I don't like that guy anymore. I don't like that reseller. I'm going to port my phone number to the new carrier. And they go ahead and port the number. But what they didn't realize was that number is linked to a range of 100. And because the reseller had been shady in the way that he'd distributed this 100 number block, this one customer takes his one number and the other 99 with it. So that t- took another 99 customers out of service, all because the shady reseller didn't realize he wasn't allowed to distribute this number. He had to give it back was the right answer. Okay. So, so this is, is pretty much more a case of people selling what they're not allowed to sell, creating bad customer experiences for everybody. Okay. Yeah. One, one customer took 99 other customers out of service through negligence on, on the reseller's part, which is a huge no-no. And if he was up to date with the, the rules, the regulatory requirements, et cetera, et cetera, that would never have happened in the first place. So there's an education piece there. Yes. And that doesn't piss off one customer. That pisses off 100 customers. And that's, that's messy. Okay, yeah. so... Normally, I hear customer experience story is where it's one customer who, who had a bad experience or something. You, you, you've completely raised the bar on what counts as bad customer experience. Don't <laughs> screw one over, screw 100. Yeah, 
uh, I figured that was a good one, a good one to bring to the table today. There, there were a few others, but that one particularly is, is an example of how not to do it. It might be different in other countries, of course. That's just something that we struggle with in the UK because British Telecom have the, the monopoly and they're our incumbent network operator for most people. And they have strange ways in how they allocate numbers. In the VoIP world, we don't have those problems because you don't get a range of numbers that are tied together and stuck together for the rest of their life. But in the TDM world, that's, that was the norm. And these people that have got phone numbers that are 40 or 50 years old, they're stuck like that forever. So when a number ports into us or a range of numbers port into us, they have to leave the same way that they came in. And that was the, 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 the case that this guy didn't know. So this was back in the days when they would give you a block of 100 and the ones ending zero, zero got to the switchboard. And then each of the others could then be allocated to individual employees, phones or whatever else inside or whatever. Exactly. And that's when they had it on a copper, what we call an ISDN line. Yeah, old fashioned technology. Um, but now, now, even though the, the, those numbers belonged to British Telecom, even though they've ported to Simwood, they've ported to any other carrier, they still have to stay in the way that BTC them, even all these years later. Which means they can't, that they can't you, can, the you can sort of split the range as long as they stay with you, but they have to stay with you. That's where the reseller went wrong because his one of his customers left. He decided to keep keep the range when he should have sent it back to British Telecom, tried to resell the range. And instead of selling them all to one individual or, or whatever, he sold them in pieces. And that's when it went wrong. So one person tried to port one number and it took the other 99 with it because of the way they were built and set up. So long story short, he should have just sent them back and not tried to be greedy with the sexy number. Yeah. And it, you have to understand the rules to know how to play them. Yeah. Okay. So what is the worst customer experience that you have heard of or you have personally experienced? That's a, that's a tough one. I think uh, we, we see quite often um, where some of the competition in the marketplace will promise will promise the world and i, I made a few a few bullet points to, to bring up in this in this session today one of, them, one of them is the customer is not always right which everybody always gets that quote wrong yeah because they only take the first half yeah um but no no the, the the full quote is the customer is always right on opinion on points of opinion of uh, whether something is nice, is it pretty, is it whatever, something subjective. So yes, the customer is always right. That picture is nice or the picture is not nice. That is not the customer is always right. So you have to give them whatever they want. They've always kind of left out the second half. Yeah, I think the, the people that are leaving it out are doing that on purpose because the, um, their, their point is, I'm always right because I'm the customer and you should bend over backwards to help me. But th that is something that we... We try to train with our colleagues and our staff because the customer is not always right. And we take things as a matter of fact, and we need to be you know, honest and open and transparent with the way that, that we deliver things. The other bullet point that, that I made a note of was the grass is not always greener. And that feeds into your question that you asked me about horror stories that I've personally experienced. So I have people where customers have left me because they perceive the grass to be greener and the, the new carrier or the new uh, entity is promising 
you know, we've got this feature, we've got that feature, we're cheaper, we've got this. And, and then actually they come back and they didn't read the small print in the contract. And the small print in the contract says your handsets are locked to our network. And actually you're on a seven year contract and you're not allowed to keep your phone numbers and things like that. So the grass is not always greener. When the grass appears to be greener, you have to check if it's because it's been given more fertilizer. Yeah. <laughs> to be polite, if they're spreading the bowl a little thick, the grass does tend to grow greener. It doesn't mean that it's better. <laughs> it's a good analogy. One of the other uh, horror stories, not so much a horror story, but it, it leads into um, so, some of the, the training that I give my guys, um, particularly around hosted PBX, is I hate the word mis-selling. I cannot stand it if one of our customers come back to us and says, your sales guy missold this to us because that is really bad customer experience. And that leads me on to how do we fix it? Why do we do it that way? And, and the reason why I hate the word mis-selling is because salespeople, when they sell something, they just want the commission and then they move on to the next and then they move on to the next. But that does not have long-term benefits for the company if everyone they sell to is, is having a bad experience and they're lying and they're cheating and they're sending. So that's the biggest no-no in our industry, in our space. And one thing that we pride ourselves on, on not doing. Okay, how do you fix that? I mean, I've got a couple of ideas, but I'm curious to know how you do it. Personally, I think it starts from the interview process in the hiring process. And, and I need to make it clear from day one that we just don't we just don't tolerate it. We don't take it. If a customer uh, falls into that and one of our guys has done that, then we have to rectify it very quickly, even if that means letting them out of their contract. And one thing that Richard Branson taught me when I worked for Virgin was you should never be obstructive of letting a customer leave. And it feeds back into the grass is not always greener sentiment that we had a moment ago. Because if you're obstructive, they will then build up defenses and a hatred towards you for not letting them leave. When they realize the other supplier is not better, then the bridge is not burnt and they're welcome to come back. So the, the, the theory is let them leave, don't stand in the way. Um, and they're more receptive to coming back with their tail between the legs. Um, Which then goes back towards net promoter scores and other things, because these guys were really annoying and, and really got in my way. It means you're not going to get the next customer. Whereas if they come back to you and said, these guys were great, they, we left because we thought it was better, came back and they were magnanimous and, and kind to us. They weren't assholes about it. That, that reputation gets out. Yes, and that is a good theory. Um, it's something that I've lived by for probably more than 15 years now. And it, and it works. If people do leave, they think they found a better deal. And then they realize, oh, actually, it wasn't so bad. Let's go back because they were honest. They were fair. They were open. They were transparent. And these are the things that we like to do. So from, from our side, from, right from recruitment all the way through to experience personnel we make sure that we don't lie we don't cheat we make sure that we're being honest fair and thorough and I think once you've nailed those bits you need to be an expert at what you're doing and if you're an expert in what you're doing you won't have a gray area or a hole that you you need to fill or lie about and I'm very good at saying if someone comes to me and asks me something I don't know the answer to it's far more uh, reputable to say I don't know, let me go and find out 
than to make it up and promise something we don't have. And people respect you for that. Very much so. When I was asking you, this is what you guys do about it. I've heard of companies that will uh, delay commission. So you sell it and you don't get your commission on the sale for 90 days. And if the customer leaves, you don't get the commission at all on it. Kind of ways to really make sure that the agent knows we take this seriously and you get paid for doing it right, not for doing it fast. And I've seen a couple of things like that. I used to work with a guy who tried to convince management, pay me twice as much and I'll work twice as hard as a sales guy. Management was like, we'll double your commission quota. We're not going to double your base salary. And he couldn't understand the logic. And in the real world, if you improve the base quota, the person is going to hit a point where they're just going to go, oh, I'm getting paid for this anyway. I don't have to work so hard. As long as you're making somebody who is hungry and really wants the extra money work to do it right, you're going to get better customer experience, better longevity. And we're not talking one-off customers anymore. We want customers for longer times because the cost of acquisition means I need to have them long enough to actually justify the acquisition. Yeah. Repeat customers, recurring revenue, uh, renewing contracts, all of those things need to feed into that. But for, for our side, we don't actually uh, with, withhold commission. We base it on attitude, mindset, and just general reviews. So I will um, spot check customers and speak to customers and find out how agents are performing in terms of account management and the information they've been given. And a bit like net promoter score surveys and things like that. People are very honest in those circumstances and share their, share their experiences. But from, from the foundation, strong foundations are important. And if the agents are trained right at the start and know the repercussions and the consequences, you find you don't have that have that anyway if you get the right people of course makes sense yeah i did have i did have uh, another example of uh, i won't name them because it's not fair to name them but there's another another carrier in the uk that i frequently hear the guys in our porting team talk about in the office and they'll phone through trying to get a number released all the numbers in uk tend to start being released from 10 a.m so from 10 a.m you hear the porting team very busy on the phone they're active they're calling all the other carriers getting numbers released and and then moving over to simwood and there's this one carrier all the time i hear the guys in, in the porting team and they're frustrated because they're phoning the ivr and they're listening for the options and they're hearing press one for sales, press two for management, press, and nowhere in their IVR do they have a press four for porting. They don't have it, but they do have a porting team. So they listen, management, number management, that sounds, that sounds close to porting. I'll, I'll press that one. Okay, they get into the menu. All right, you're through to number management. Press one for this, press two for that. And, and none of them are related to carriers. They need a carrier, uh, carrier to carrier kind of backdoor or, when they finally get through to someone, they say, hey, I've been trying to get through to your porting team, but your IVR does not have a porting option. Oh, yeah, we get this every day. You need to press 2478921165. They're the options you need to get through on the menu to get through to the porting team. It's like, wow, that is not clear. Let me write that down. Um, and then they try that option. And then when they get through to the next time, having pressed the buttons for the teams they've asked or, or been suggested to, oh, no, we're not the porting team. You need this one. So it's, it's a real IVR horror story. This this is this is beginning to sound like it is a deliberate, make it difficult maze kind of a problem. But I won't. No, no. Na- naming when you want to give somebody praise is fine. Naming and shaming is really not where we're looking for. 
There, there, are, there are enough people out there who I'm sure know exactly who you are and have mentioned it listening to this. Many of the people I expect to, to listen are very familiar with the, the smaller players in the UK, those who aren't BT. But yes, IV, this is one thing that Alice and I were discussing. The IVR should be very straightforward. No more than five choices on your first menu and make sure you cover all of the relevant choices. Yeah. So like you're saying, one of those choices are, I'm not a customer, I'm a carrier. And then take you to a different set of menus or give you a different phone number for carriers. Absolutely. A, a direct dial number would go a long way for you guys. Yeah, they do. They do have it for some of the carriers because they're back office departments most of the time. And, and some of these porting um, teams for carriers, they have more than one team. They have one for residential. They have one for business. And the, the bigger we get, the more we have to deal with both both teams and we're finding that the business teams are far more sensible than the residential teams they're extremely frosty because i think they're more battle-hardened when it comes to um, dealing with Joe Public. Yes, because when you're dealing with the public you're getting yelled at and screamed at so that they start by answering the phone with a presumption that somebody's going to yell at them so they preemptively have an attitude yeah exactly that leads to bad experiences for them and for you, no matter what. Yeah, and okay. I think customer experience, the, the definition of customer is quite important because in most businesses, the customer is the person that's paying for the service. But actually, when you've got a customer service team calling a technical support team, that's an internal call, right? But they're still having a customer experience because the customer service is the technical support's customer when he's getting yes. advice to an internal colleague to relay on. And they should also be the same. They should be very courteous and and kind to you know the people they're they're reacting with on a day-to-day basis and and calm is quite important i find that i I did 10 years in a call center and in those 10 years i did five years in customer services and five years in tech support and whilst i was in customer services phoning tech support i found that they were rude they weren't very helpful they didn't explain things to me Uh, and then i then struggled with relaying that message on to to the end user eventually i got promoted and went into technical support myself and one of my mantras was i don't want to be like them i want to help the customer service guys and and the customer experience i got so many recommendations and and commendations for being the best in technical support because i'd come from their side so i knew what their what their challenges are what they hated and i've taken that with me for the rest of my career and I think that's a key thing that people need is the message there is put yourself in their shoes. If you can put yourself in their shoes and you can do that well, then you know what to, you know, what information they want. They know how that, you know, how they're feeling. You can sympathize with them. You can give them empathy and, and explain things in layman's terms. You don't want to bamboozle them with technology that they don't know about. You need to trim it down a bit. Um, so that's really important for customer experience. Definitely. Now, you personally, not as not as Simwood, but you as Frazier, what is your most interesting experience dealing with customer service? <laughs> oh, wow, that's a good one. Um, having done the the ten years I just referred referred to uh, in the call center, the shifts and hours that I used to do there meant that I would occasionally be on the night shift. Um, no, no, I meant. You, you as a customer, not you as a provider. Oof, as a customer. I mean, uh, I've had some good experiences quite recently and, and, and some bad ones. Um, as, as a customer myself, there's a holiday firm that I just 
um, youth to go to Orlando. And uh, I actually got some compensation back for a nine hour delay in the airport, which I wasn't expecting. I didn't know. They approached me and said, hey, your flight was delayed. You're, you, you're eligible for some compensation. And, and that was a nice touch by them because they didn't have to reach out to me and tell me, hey, you can have some money back. So that was an example of a good. OK, um, one second. Since we're not shaming, we're, we're, we're praising. Yeah. Name them. That's TUI, T-U-I. Um, they're, they're a UK airline. Um, they held me up for nine hours and they gave me about £1,500 back, which was well worth the nine hour wait. I'll do that every day if I could. <laughs> no, uh, I, cannot, I, can, I cannot imagine spending an extra nine hours in, in any UK airport, even with the lounge, uh, for a thousand bucks. But yes. Yeah. It's it, it's good that they took care of you. Absolutely. But on the flip side of that, um, I'll share, this, this is uh, a bit close to my heart, but the, one of our um, sort of grandmother, grandparents or relatives passed away in the last six months. And she had a mobile phone contract with a, a UK operator. And we could not get through to that UK operator to, to stop the service uh, by using a bereavement department. And their advice to us was change the name of the contract to your name and pay for two contracts. I said, I don't want two contracts. <laughs> she died. I'm just trying to call up to deal with the affairs and get things. And they wouldn't have it. And we found that we were stuck with this, stuck with this additional contract that we didn't want. And they had no sympathy, no empathy for, for a family bereaving. They just wanted their money for this contract. It was awful. Really poor experience. That's when you call up and you say, okay, and this is the new address, and you give them the name of the cemetery. <laughs> and say, please feel, to fr feel free to send the bills here. The bank account and the credit card associated with this have been canceled. Um, it was, I, yes. I, would never, I would never recommend or be a customer of this particular network again. You know, unbelievable. I, I'm just amused because in the previous call when I was talking to Allison about one of the more amusing IVRs she spoke about was she had done it for a funeral home and they basically had the, hi, I realize you're having a really bad day. Let's see if we can help it make it easier and better for you. Oh, that's nice. Okay? That's so nice. they actually tried to say nobody calls a funeral home for fun. One of our customers has a press six if you've lost your way. <laughs> and, and I always, when I phone them, I always press six now because it's amusing to me. And I know that in their office, they get it come up on their screen as a, oh, this guy's lost his way. Uh, and they answer the phone and they're like, you lost. <laughs> that, that's a convenient concept. And it's like, if they know that they've got enough of a problem that they have to ask for it, they should probably fix the rest of the IVR. But that's a really good thing to stick in because it's so easy to get lost in an IVR. It's great. Yeah, they've done it more for comic comic value because all of their other IVR messages are, are on point. You know, if you're an existing customer, press one. If you're calling about they've got a really comprehensive menu. But the fact that six, I don't even listen to it anymore. I just know that I've lost my way when I call them. So just press six. That'll work. Um, it's nice to see that people are taking customer experience all the way out to the IVR with a little bit of seriousness. All too often, these things are designed to be mazes that are difficult, where the congratulations, you've successfully reached a human being. Instead of a piece of cheese, it's kind of like go through 17 different steps and finally, congratulations, you've got a human being or congratulations, click.
<laughs> and the, the, the click always is annoying. Yeah. Okay. I hate, I hate the IVRs where the audio doesn't kick in. So when it finally does kick in, you've missed the first half of the sentence. Yes. And so then, what are the kinds of things that you actually train your team to do? What advice do you give them? How do you train them? Well, I think that the most important one is the, the bits we touched on earlier is around honesty and, and being able to control the conversation. Don't get flustered. Don't um, panic if someone asks you something. Because sometimes in our role, especially in VoIP, you'll come across... I had it a couple of days ago where someone came to me and said, do you support AMBR? WB and I'd, I'd, I'd never heard of it like that before and and actually I felt quite stupid because when I went to ask Simon and, and the guy said yeah that's G72 I was like because nobody asks for it in the way that he asked so the the message here or the first part of the training with customer experience is if someone asks you something you don't know just check just don't guess or, or whatever and that's the key key thing to everything um, always take your time always be thorough customer experience i think is very useful um, we do uh, something called onboarding with our customers and we don't just give them an account and say off you go we we, we take the time to show them around and we find that that's very um, efficient and useful because a customer in the old days before we had onboarding would ask a hundred questions or they would raise 15 support tickets and all of those support tickets and questions are minimized by doing a one hour onboarding session because you show them this is what this does this is where you find this information and it's it's, it's basically helping you help them or you know um, training them on the self-serve element and that reduces support tickets it makes customers happy and then we do maybe a six-month checkup to say, you know, six months, how are, you, how are you getting on? You know, and sometimes they come back and say, actually, I've got two new members of staff. Can you do that onboarding session you did for me and train my staff? And that helps them grow, which helps us grow and, and keeps happy customers. So that is a, a key uh, exercise that we do now um, with all our new new customers. And it's working very well. Nice. Yeah, I would imagine the we've got new employees or so-and-so left and this person's going to be handling it, can you bring them up to speed, really makes it a lot easier for you and makes it more comfortable for them. Yeah, the relationship side of it is important too because we want to build relationships with our customers. And I think the biggest challenge we find in any customer relationship is when the guy you've built a relationship with leaves and the new yes. guy... The new guy comes in and he's got a power hungry attitude and suppliers that he's used that he's built relationships up with. So you're then on the back foot trying to, to build a relationship with the new guy because he prefers X carrier or he prefers X service and getting them to then embrace you and, and love you like the last guy did is a really hard challenge um, from a customer experience point of view. But there's nothing you can do but, but do your best remain true to yourself keep your um values at heart so the honest open you know that that type yeah. of um, mindset and yeah you, you can't win them all but then it's back to the step i mentioned earlier okay well if they want to leave help them leave don't be obstructive there either so it's, it's a circle everything's linked in some kind of way definitely and a lot of these new people come in with the fresh broom i have to go and make a difference and show something. So I'm going to kick the old guys out and bring somebody else in because, hey, if I can bring down the price 
by X amount, a couple hundred pounds, that looks good. And the answer is, yeah, you brought it down a couple hundred pounds and the service and the quality and everything else went down with it. So, and that's where the keep it clean, keep it open so they can come back because sometimes the lowest price, and there's been a a big push for the race to the bottom pricing, uh, translates to big difficulties, which is why things like all of these uh, low-cost airlines are beginning to merge or close. The race to the bottom pricing gets to the point where you can't afford to do business, so you start cutting corners and losing customers and losing more customers and eventually no more company. Yeah. So yes, training your agents, training your team, very important. That's, so is that has that answered your questions? Very much so. And conveniently, we're we're just about out of time. Got another minute or so. If there's anything else you'd like to add? No, no, I'm I'm quite happy, and uh, I was glad to be uh, invited along. Um, I'm sorry we uh, were a bit slow on the emails coming back and forth. We're just. That's just a symptom of Simwood at the moment. We're we're super busy building and, and getting things ready. So everyone, including Simon, is head down project work. We're working on some really big stuff. So uh, no, I'm, I'm pleased to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, Thank you for joining us. And um, hope I have a chance to chat with you again sometime soon. Absolutely. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of the CXverse. Please sign up to learn about future episodes. We are looking for feedback and new speakers, so please be in touch.